I just think he's full of SH1T at times. It's like, you know, quoting Kipling to players doesn't work, Rudyard Kipling. Probably Mr Kipling would have been better. OTB AM, live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. Delighted to say we're joined by Ross Hamilton, independent rugby performance analyst who works with BT Sport and has previously worked with Saracens and England. Ross, welcome back. How are you getting on? Good, thank you. Very good. How are you guys? We're all very excited. Well, some half of the studio are very excited about what Leinster might be able to do this weekend. The other half is a bit concerned about what it means for Munster. But uh, we can park Munster for today and we're talking about Leinster. Um, you've been looking at this. What what are... Uh, this is kind of a random enough question. Are there, are, the last time we had John, we were talking about similar things with respect to the Ireland team. Are there clear similarities between what Ireland and Leinster are doing from a statistical perspective or are there big differences? No, 100% exactly the same. Um, a lot of people talking, obviously, the similar players that uh, are making up the Ireland team. And I, you can definitely see it from both sides, whichever way it goes, whether it's Leinster first or Ireland first. But it, it's exactly the same. They're playing in the same way, same style, getting the same output um, and obviously doing um, having the success as well, being into the final. Um, but some examples of that to start with, their attacking structure and their attacking output is incredible the stats that i haven't seen before I don't see in any other competition and to the degree of having so much dominance across so much i mean points and tries is one for the tournament yes that's a straightforward one but they're the most meters the most breaks second most defenders beaten most passes second most carries in the competition just huge amounts of numbers that they're outputting from their attack with their willingness to play just want to keep the ball in hand and play as much as they can um that's really interesting like obviously part of that it's hard to know how much it's to do with the the games where the the Montpellier the first game didn't happen because of COVID and the second game was obviously a very angry Leinster team who put up a cricket score really on them um, but it, 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 it carries through against the better teams as well even the Toulouse game for example even the Toulouse game yes they, they were able to put their style of, of play on the pitch against the reigning champions in a semi-final scored 40 points against them at the end of it it's just impressive, no matter what the game. Yes, that Montpellier game was a blowout, but it was one game. They've still got these stats, you know. They played six other games after that one, so they still have to apply all of that um, to the rest of the games that they're playing, and they can only do as well as they can do against the opposition that's in front of them. So they're still very impressive. And a couple of elements that might sort of link into that, we have some stats that can gain line success and collision dominance, and they're relative. So they're percentage based off of their total. You know, yes, Leinster do have a high total because they want to keep the ball all the time and they play with it a lot. Um, but we can then compare that equally against all the other teams in the competition. And still, Leinster have the highest game line success. They're third best for collision dominance. So even when you take it relatively proportionately to their totals, they are still incredibly efficient and attacking with all of the ball that they have. Their gain line success is nearing 60% gain line success, which is an over the gain line carry as well to remember. So not just one that gets stopped on the gain line, this is getting beyond the gain line, which gives you momentum. Um, your ruck speed can link off of that, which I'll come to in a second, um, but it's so important. And again, because they have so much possession, that pressure of efficiency within their possession and their total, just gives them so much go forward and so much power within their attack that they're getting onto all of their opposition, whoever they play. I mean, it sounds pretty impressive and you can kind of see it. Like it, the, the game looks really fluid the way they're playing at the moment and, and that the, the way that you're talking about the stats explains why that fluidity exists on the field. That That's it. I mean, for me, just sort of 
um, anecdotally, their their structure, their commitment and understanding in their game structure is incredible. Every team wants that. Every team trains and they play that and they're professional outfits and they'll have a degree to, of it, but not to this length the team. It is just beyond the level that we've seen before. And it's the same with Ireland. It, it filters in, uh, but so much so that they can wear a, a, a negative tackle, a negative collision, get stopped before the game line and all of the team adjusts and they react to that situation and then they can still put the next phase of play into, into fruition and they can still get game line the next time. It doesn't stop their entire attack. As an example, in the semi-final, Mayafu to lose his enormous second row, um, absolutely smashed Caden Doris before the game line, smashed him backwards. Everybody just adjusts and they played the same way. It didn't sort of stop their machine going. They were so well drilled and so um, so clear on all of their roles so they could manage that and carry on. And that is proven in their ruck speed. It's something we spoke about last time. It's something we spoke about with Ireland, but it's the thing we have to talk about. It's the biggest thing that's going on in rugby at the moment. Everybody's focus. Leinster actually had sort of lost the top spot to Toulouse just before the semi-final. So Toulouse had the fastest ruck speed on average in the tournament. After that game, now going to the final, Leinster won that back. So they managed to outperform Toulouse in a semi-final when they had the fastest ruck speed, got so much quicker and so much quick ball throughout that game that they sort of retaken the lead. And their average ruck speed, just for a number to give you some context, is 2.84 seconds per ruck every ruck. And they have close to 100 rucks a game. So the average across all of that is frightening quick. Teams would be looking to get individual rucks around two seconds, under three seconds would be good to average that level. You know, that includes exit kicks when they're setting up kicks to to click. They don't actually do that very much. They don't see, you don't see the Caterpillar kicks with, with Leinster, um, but it does still include those and anything that they get slow ball, it still includes that. So to average that amount of rucks at that, at that speed is again, just frightening and it gives them that go forward and it gives them the momentum that they can use to then build their attack from after. So obviously Ross, that's every single player on the team understanding that when a rook happens, we're going to try and uh, cooperate with each other and collaborate in a way that allows us to, to be super fast. How much of it though, in, in your view, is actually down to the, the scrum half marshalling stuff as well? Because obviously, you know, Gibson Park has emerged as, as a massive leader for Ireland and now by extension Leinster over the last 18 months in particular. 100%. Uh, the, the scrum off is obviously a huge factor of it. Everything is linked as it is in rugby. So getting that gain line success and collision dominance in the first place gets you that front foot. So then the defence have to retreat. They can't attack the breakdown quite so easily. Your attacking clear outs players are coming forward so they can clear the ball quicker. And then it's on the plate easier for the nine. So that Ruxby comes away. But yes, Jamison Gibson Park, we looked at his um, distribution ratio, the same with Johnny Sexton, but uh, Gibson Park's distribution ratio is 85% pass. Now that is a, a ridiculously high number, even for a scrum half, who's obviously it's his main job. And I compared that to Toulouse uh, Antoine Dupont in, in the week of the semi-final. And Antoine Dupont is around 65 to 70% um, pass ratio throughout these games in this tournament. So even arguably the one of the best player in the world, he wants to do a little bit more with the ball. He'll pick and he'll have a little snipe around the base. Jamison Gibson Park seems to have his only mantra of get there, get the ball away, get it into Johnny Sexton's hands or some night or some forwards carrying around the corner, get the ball away from the breakdown. The ruck speed is clear to see that that's, uh, that's where they're getting their, their go forward from. 
And it does link into Johnny Sexton as well. Then Johnny Sexton's pass ratio is 75%. Now for a fly half, that's actually huge. You'd probably typically somebody more around 50%. Um, and then sort of something 25% kick, 25% run, that sort of thing. But 75% of his pass, his, his distribution is passing. So both of them just seem to want to get the ball away from the ruck, away from the breakdown, into space, get the ball wider as well, beyond Johnny Sexton, into the 12-13 channel and play where the defence have then become unstructured from that ruck speed. It's just a very, very clear sign that that is their game plan. And obviously, yes, Gibson Park is a huge part of that. This, like that, That's fascinating, the 85% pass statistic from Jamison Gibson Park is that going to become do you think the trend in, in modern coaching where the scrum half is instructed for the vast majority of the time to pass the ball and, and I'm not even talking about pass versus run I'm talking I guess here about the kick and is the, the box kick eventually just dying on the vine here in front of us it probably is already kind of dying with regards to the Irish conversation at least yeah, I mean, obviously, it depends on the, the style of your team. Leicester, for example, would kick a lot from nine and ten, actually a lot more from ten with George Ford. But um, if that is your game plan, the Saracens of old, they will kick a lot from nine because they want to get the ball into the opposition territory and then play from there with their defence. But this Leicester outfit seemed to and shows with all the stats and their performances that they want to keep the ball in hand. They don't want to kick it away. So therefore, that isn't a role that's asked of Jamison Gibson Park or any Irish nine. He can just get there, get the ball away. And it's very, very simple. And that's his only job. It takes a lot of skill and effort to get to those rucks all the time with that much speed. But that is his. That is the requirement that they're asking of him. And he does it so well. So if we see Leinster being as successful as they are and is so incredibly dominant, the same with Ireland, rugby goes in cycles, right? And some guys, some teams do things well and other teams will pick that up. Saracens might have started a trend of very defensive kind of kicking away rugby. Leinster has shown the opposite. You can do that with the ball in hand and this may be a style that then teams want to recreate and uh, and ask their nines to do the same thing. As a stats guru, is your head in your hands when you're kicking off 9 and 10 or are you like, I can see the, the upshot here? When you're kicking off 9 and 10, it's, it's an option. It's, if that's what your team is set up to do, if you're kicking to then go and defend or you're kicking to compete and there's an option for it, there's a reason for it, then fine, that's your game style. If It's, it's when you're sort of not doing anything and teams get stuck behind the game line, they aren't organised, their forward pods aren't set up and you kick the ball away because there's no other options, you know, that's then pretty, um, a pretty worrying sight and you wonder why any team would do that when everything is so highly contested in rugby all of the scrums, all of your lineouts, all of your handling skills and everything is so vital and so important. And then you get to that situation, you just kick the ball away. If there's a reason for it, no problem. But yes, if it's if it's aimless, then not a great sign. And that's what Leinster do so well. Again, as I mentioned, even if they get hit behind a game line, they can restructure and reform so well and adjust so quickly that they can manage that and still then go on an attack. Ross, it's great that we have um, stats and analysis to go this week uh, to inject this into the conversation because um, the one like massive asterisk beside Leinster fans in the build-up to this game and all of the Irish papers have had uh, huge features on Will Skelton this week and I'm surprised they haven't done stuff on the Vinopolas this week as well because Leinster's dreams have been haunted by big men brutalising the team in massive games over the last three seasons in particular. That's the narrative, um, but the facts don't quite bear out that Leinster can be brutalised physically in these games. 
Yeah, not quite. Again, I mentioned it. Rugby is so linked, so everything's so closely linked together. It's very rare that you get a situation where you can hang your hat on one specific thing or one metric to say we lost all of the collisions every single time in every game that we lost. That's how we lost, and that is the only factor. That would be nice, perhaps, to be able to decide that and work that out. And coaches possibly would like that because they could rectify it. But it's not always that easy. And that's partly why we like rugby. I had a look at their sort of three losses in the last three seasons in the knockout stages. And there were games where they won the game line success. They they bettered their opposition in the game line success and collision dominance. The, the La Rochelle game last year, I looked at their average for the tournament for game line success and collision dominance, and they bettered their performance in that semi-final game when they still lost. So they, they played better. They had a higher success rate and collision dominance, et cetera, um, in that game, and yet they still lost. So it's not sort of so easy to say, well, they lost the physical battle and that was it. Yes, La Rochelle do have enormous forwards and they're very strong, very powerful. But La Rochelle this season aren't necessarily that so incredibly dominant. I mentioned Leinster's game line success and collision dominance is really high. Um, La Rochelle's game line success is 12th in the whole tournament of, of every team and a relative number, and their collision success is 11th. So right bang average in the middle of the tournament of, of all the 24 teams, and yet they're in the final. That doesn't scream to me that they are dependent and only focused on their physical battle, and that's what's going to get them a, a win or at least a chance against Leinster. It, it says that there must be other elements to it, and, and we showed again, Leinster don't just lose because they've lost that lost that physical battle there are whole other elements to it and there's a load of stats that go into it of why they may have lost a lot of it was around their red zone efficiency sometimes they didn't get into the red zone enough when their efficiency was good but they then um, had high red zone entries and their efficiency was poor they couldn't match those things both together to get sort of enough points to score to win the match um, but there's lots of elements to it and yeah i don't think that's the one thing that we can hang our hat on yes there's a there's a chance and that's going to be a focus for La Rochelle because that's the style of play that they may want to may want to play and they've got the players to do so but it's not just as simple as that for me La Rochelle's defense is obviously going to be absolutely key to them winning at the weekend and it turns out they're really really good at defending that that's one of the things that has emerged this week as well from junior research i think yeah, two things on that for La Rochelle. So they attack the def- offensive, or from their point of view, defensive breakdowns very, very well, and they do a very good job with it. So they commit zero players to a breakdown, the fewest in the entire competition so far this year, which means they commit at least one, sometimes up to three and four, more than anybody else do. They then slow the ball down very well from that. And that's going to be a big factor for for La Rochelle's defence, as we said, with Leinster's attacking ruck speed. But also what that does with Leinster is their game plan seems to be pressure. Multiple phases keep going and that that building out of, of ruck speed and pressure eventually breaks the teams down. If La Rochelle can affect that breakdown, slow it down a little bit, get their defence set and sorted, that they might be able to then hold Leinster's attack. Maybe. Big maybe. Leinster is still going to be very good at it. But... Slowing down one is one thing at the uh, defensive breakdowns, but they are also very good at turning the ball over. They've won the second most turnovers per game in the competition this season. So it's not just slowing down and trying to let their defence get the next phase. They will go and win that ball at the breakdown. And whether Leinster can combat that is a, is a question again. Leinster's attacking accuracy at Rux is second best in the tournament, so you think that they might. But if you link all of those things in together with La Rochelle, attacking the defensive breakdown, 
what that does mean is they have been very good at defending multiple phases because they don't allow teams quick right ball against them, which doesn't disorganize their own defense and that they can get set and square and get everybody off the line and go and shut down an attack that's coming. So if they can manage that, they may have a chance of stopping Leinster because Leinster have actually scored a huge amount of tries off of multiple phases. Very typically, you'd see a profile that would look in terms of scoring as the most off of first phase. You have the most first phases, of course, because you have to have a first phase, have a second phase and so on. And you've got a, a set structure in place that you can attack from, whether that is still in transition or from a set piece. But Leinster scored more from two to three phases and more again from four to six phases. So they actually almost set themselves up thinking, we're not going to strike, we're not going to score this immediately. Where we're going to get our benefit is setting up the rucks, getting quick ruck speed, getting our structure into place and going. And if Larochelle can apply this attacking nature of the breakdown defensively and slow Leinster down enough, they have only conceded three tries after three phases, La Rochelle in the tournament so far. All right. They've only 15 in total. So a big proportion, yes, of one to one to three phases. But after that, they're very, very good at multiple phase defense. Right. So again, if they can apply all those things together, they might be able to stop Leinster. This is the very definition of irresistible force and immovable object. Could well be. Right. That's, well uh, that's exactly what we should be looking out for then. Was there anything else that stood out from La Rochelle's stats when you were looking at them this week? Well, La Rochelle, again, I mentioned a couple of their sort of gain line success and clean dons. They're, they're right around average. They're, they're not a team. I mean, they're in the final uh, and their stats aren't as exceptional as we sort of might think, or I certainly might have thought when I was going into this and starting to look at it. But I think that's an element of everything piecing together. That Again, rugby is a sort of a, a, a multifaceted game that takes every bit of um, detail to come together to get success. So they don't have a huge amount of carries or meters or breaks I'm looking at all the numbers here. Passes the 13th, kicks 14th, canine success 12th, as I mentioned. Their, their attacking ruck speed is fifth. It's good. It's not fantastic. Their uh, red zone efficiency is good. It's not fantastic. They get into the red zone the 11th most in the entire competition. Their efficiency in terms of points per visit when they get there is sixth. So, you know, all these very good numbers, are they relevant to a finalist you know, you might not you might not think so if you took them in isolation, but they all work together to get them into this position. You would say that La Rochelle have not scraped through, but they haven't been extremely dominant in all of their games. They've probably played a couple of teams who've been a little bit below par and just about managed to get through, whereas Leinster have dominated everybody. They scored, Again, they scored 40 points against the defending champions um, two weeks ago. So La Rochelle certainly have a chance. They're going to have... They're going to have to put every element of their game together in order to have a chance. I still don't see it, personally. I think Leinster are by far and away the, the favourites and uh, going to have to do something incredibly special to beat that Leinster side. And just on the Leinster one as well, I, I looked at their red zone efficiency. It's just one final sort of measure of how good they've been. They have had the most entries into the red zone. It's the highest ratio of entries relative to their possession. So again, they have a lot of possession. They would get there more often, but relatively across all teams, they get there the most. They score the most points in the red zone in total for 47 points at the end of the game from the red zone entries. Their efficiency is the best and their success is the best. So every single time they get into the red zone, more than half of the time, 51% of the time, they come away with a score. So to get a score 
every once in, in two times you get into the red zone is incredible numbers, is incredible efficiency. I link that into their ruck speed, their attacking stats. La Rochelle, pretty average across the board. I can't see any other result than that. Okay, right. Well, you've made us all, uh, <clears throat> you've made half the audience very happy this morning, uh, Ross. If any, this is brilliant analysis, by the way. If anybody wants any more of it, where's the best place to get it from you? Yeah, I'll put a lot of this on Twitter um, over the coming days. Um, I'll put a lot uh, looking at into the game as well, but both both finals, but um, live during the games, if you're watching on the television, there'll be some of these stats popping up and um, Brian O'Driscoll is our commentator on the day, so obviously he'll uh, link a lot of this in all together. At Roscoe Hamilton is the Twitter account you should all follow for this goodness. Ross, great stuff. Thanks a million. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers, guys.